to see you guys here. I hope you're having a good week. I had an interesting week. Um, last weekend, I was walking out of my house to go to a soccer game, my son's soccer game, and this guy came up, and he was wearing a blue shirt, and it had a, a little Honda logo on it, and I thought, oh my, this is the helpful Honda people. They're going to give me a free car, you know? That turned out not to be true whatsoever, but um, he said, hey, are you, are you Doug? And I said, yes. I'm ready for my free car. And he said, "Uh, actually, no, um, the reason I'm here is don't drive your car. Your car has something wrong with its airbags. Do you guys know about this? That some airbags in Hondas, when 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 they go off, a bag is supposed to hit your face. But these ones shoot shrapnel into your face at high speeds, which is incredibly counterproductive for an airbag. So I thought, yes, please fix those in my car. And he said, we'll come back tomorrow morning. I was like, oh, sweet, awesome, we'll come back tomorrow morning. So he comes back the next day, like, hey, we fixed your car. Um, they just went in, that wasn't even there. They could have done, I don't know what they did, but they just went in and fixed my car, and I said, awesome, great. So I got in my car the next day, um, and they had somehow, this is not a joke, people, they had somehow over-tightened everything on my steering column to where anytime I went over a bump, or I turned too far to the right or to the left, my horn went off. I don't know, it was just nonstop horn going off. So I got in, I'm like, oh, I'm glad my airbags are good now. My apartment complex has speed bumps. Every speed bump I went over, was like, ha, 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 ha. Like, oh no, I sound like a lunatic. Every t- and I'm like, well, at least it's just maybe speed bump. I turn, if I turn the wheel, ha, And I was so busy, I didn't fix it for the entire week. I just went the whole week honking at people. I was driving back from L.A., and every merge lane, you know where you turn and you're merging? And then people are always tentative on the merge lane because you're like, I don't want to just insert myself into the car lanes. And you're, you're merging, and I'm just behind you. Ha! The whole way. Just blaring my horn at everyone. This, this woman was... She looked at me like, what is wrong with you? I was like, I don't know. It's my car. I did a lot of this. I just, I don't know. I don't know how to use my car. So I hope you had a better week than that. They fixed it. If I was honking at you all week, I apologize. I'm not crazy. But I, my horn was broken, so that's why. This morning it's going to be really fun, um, and it's going to be interesting. I hope to bring an interesting spin on a passage that you have heard before But to do so, I have to make sure you know what a riddle is. Do you guys know what a riddle is? A riddle is, I was trying to think about this week. I actually don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. A riddle is, it's like a tricky story. It's It's a tricky story that has a meaning that's there, but, you know, you got to figure it out. Sometimes you just need someone to tell you the answer to the riddle, and you're like, that's what it is. So I've come prepared with a riddle for you, all right? You have to figure this out. Are you ready? Here's the riddle. And you can think about it, maybe talk to your neighbor, but not too loudly. Um, I'm just joking, do whatever you want. Uh, Here's the riddle, okay? I'm not clothes, but I cover your body. The more I'm used, the thinner I grow. What am I? Let me read it again. Wait, you guys all knew. Wait, what was it? What'd you say? Skin? Uh, no. I guess maybe that could work. Let me get it. I'm not clothes, but I cover your body. The more I'm used, the thinner I grow. I asked my son, and he said hair. I was like, mm, maybe for me that's true. The more I'm used, the thinner I grow. No, the answer to the riddle is soap. I cover your body. The more I'm used, the thinner I grow. I'm not, you see, soap? Yes? 
You seem wildly unimpressed that I've given you this amazing riddle. Come on, people. Soap. It's soap. All right, maybe not. Look, open your Bible to Mark 4. I'm going to give you a Jesus riddle, okay? Because a riddle is a tricky story that conveys a meaning. And a riddle is the perfect tool to deliver a message in the first century. Let me give you a little bit of the climate of Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, he is here to present a new kingdom. The kingdom of God is here. It's at hand. It's in your midst. And this kingdom is incredibly, amazingly different than the kingdoms of this world. You will promote love. You will live this certain lifestyle. Well, the climate of the day was that Herod... And his kingdom, and the kingdom of the Jewish rulers, was already there. It was oppressive. It was big. And then on top of that, you have the Roman Empire, who looks at little Israel, and they say, they are our little tiny group. You guys stay in line. We've appointed rulers. We have military there. We are the kings. We are the kingdom. And then you go smaller and smaller and smaller. Everyone has these ideas of kingdoms. Even within the Jewish culture, you have people who say, well, we're going to get a Messiah one day. That Messiah is going to come. He's going to have machine guns for arms. And he's going to mow all these people. He's going to take these people out. And he's going to rule. And he's going to bring glory and holy on high. And we are going to rule. The Jewish nation will come up. So this is the pressure that Jesus is, is in. He comes. He says, I am the chosen one. I am the one, the Messiah, the one who will bring in this new kingdom. You have people's expectations on you. You have the Jewish leaders pressure on you. You have the, the, the just oppressive nature of Rome breathing down your neck. And Jesus is going to preach and give messages and teach in this climate. How is he going to do it? He's going to give us a riddle. It's the perfect device to help us see what Jesus is doing. It's exactly what Jesus needed. Because a, G, a, a, a riddle for our context, is a parable. In the first century, there were lots of rabbis who taught things. And it was very common that they would give you a parable. And I guess you could think of it as a metaphor. Probably in the in this certain sense that Jesus did it, it was better to think of it as a sermon illustration. But he would lay out this sermon illustration, and then he would explain that sermon illustration. This was very common in the first century. Rabbis would give this message and then explain it. But here's the deal. Jesus was a little different. He sometimes would give you this sermon illustration, this parable, and he would not explain it. He would leave the explanation for the people who are his true followers. Sorry, I was feeling a little sick this week too. It's been a bad week, okay? So he would give the parable and then leave it. And then explain it to his close followers. Well, this parable left over here unexplained is essentially a riddle. And the story that we're looking at, if you've turned to Mark 4, you already know. It's the parable of the sower and the seeds. He's going to give this story. But without the explanation, you are essentially left with a riddle. And the way Jesus is going to do it is really awesome and really creative. He's going to give this sermon to a large audience. Probably, I'm not joking, maybe about this many people. And as he lines himself up, he's become so popular. He's become so popular, it says this in Mark 4, verse 1. He began to teach again by the sea. 
And such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables. As Jesus lines himself up, he's like, all right, people, here we go. I'm going to give you a message of the kingdom. And I'm going to tell you in this context what the new kingdom is going to look like. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, we're so excited. And he's like, look, there's way too many people here. And he couldn't just jump on a microphone or a, you know, a megaphone and be like, listen, crowd, here's what's up. He had to then explain to them and teach them in a way where they all could hear They all could process what's going on. So he finds himself a boat. And he gets into that boat and he goes out somewhere about here. This is in the Galilee. In the Galilee, they call this place the Sower's Cove. They actually think this is where he gave this story, this parable. And as he's out in this boat, he would be able to speak and the the sound of his voice would go out onto the water and people would line this hillside and they would hear him. You know, have you ever been to like a lake when you're like, you know, you go fishing or something like that and you... You know, did you ever do this when you were a kid? You're like, you know, you're fishing. And there's this calm lake and you like yell into the water and it kind of carries along the water. You're like, hey, dad, can you hear me from across the lake? Your dad's like, yeah, I'm trying to fish. Go away. You know, and like, no, just me. That was just me. But, you know, you, you, the, the voice carries on the water. So today we actually have like an amphitheater, right? So here I'm going to give you this riddle in its original Form, all right, I'm actually just going to, I'm going to yell out at you. I'm going to, we're no microphone, all right? And you've got to transport yourself back in time. Pretend as if you are hearing this story for the first time. And you have to process this and think, all right, what is Jesus saying? I'm ready for the Messiah. There's this new person who's come to bring this new kingdom. I'm ready for the message. I'm so excited. Oh, he's getting in a boat. He's going out to the middle. Perfect. Line up on the seashore. All right. He's going to say something. What is he going to say? Here it is, okay? So cut the microphone. Okay. Listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road. And the birds came and ate it up. Other seed fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And immediately it sprang up and had no depth of soil. And after the sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked it. And it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into the ground. Good soil. And as they grew up and increased, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and a hundredfold. He who has ears, let him hear. What do you think? (laughs) What do you think? Jesus had a very powerful voice. What would you think? In the story, here's what happens. Jesus says that. And then, this blows my mind, people left. Some people left, and other people stayed behind. It says in the notes, a parable, a riddle like this, it's foolishness for the unwise, but it draws the wise closer. And it asks them to look deeper into what Jesus is saying. So it blows my mind that some people actually left. 
Some people were like, oh, I get it, totally. I mean, if you just heard that, what would you think? If I preached that to the high school students, and I'm the high school pastor, if I went down, all right, high school kids, and I just yelled that out, and like, go on your way now. They would be like, huh? What does it mean? There's just a bunch of seeds scattered around the ground. Some come up, some don't. What are you talking about? But some people left, and they thought, yeah, I know what that's about. It's about politics, right? And the kids are like, no, 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 it's about the Olympics, all right? And another person's like, no, 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 it's about food. What, what is it about? So it draws people in to say, well, what on earth is Jesus talking about? We'll go forward in the passage. <clears throat> in verse 10, it says this. Jesus is playing on this tension that is all, has been in Israel for a long time, that the truth is spoken, and that those who want to hear it hear it. Those who want to see it, see it. So in this riddle, Jesus is saying something without saying something, if you know what I'm saying, (laughs) if that makes any sense. He says this in verse 10, as soon as he was going along, his followers along with the 12, so do you get it? His followers along with the 12, so the ones who stayed back to hear what on earth does that mean, and his 12, who were his dedicated followers, began asking him about parables. Which means, Jesus, you had a big audience out there. Great job on the speech. What? What does it mean? We don't know what it means. Explain it to us. And he says this. To you has been given the mystery of the kingdom of God. But those who are on the outside get everything in parables and riddles. So that while seeing, they may see and not perceive. They, while hearing, may hear but not understand. Otherwise, they might return and be forgiven. Well, what does that mean? Jesus is saying this. Look, there are ones, the wise ones, who will stay back to hear the message. They see, and then they want to confirm what they see and know. But there will always be those who see, but they don't really perceive. They hear, but they don't really hear it. And if they did, they would come back. And if they did, they would be saved. But they choose to not. Jesus is quoting the Old Testament and how Israel constantly, through its prophets, had the the voice of God being poured into them. And they heard it, but they didn't do anything about it. Jesus is playing on that tension that we will forever have people who hear, but don't respond. So Jesus says, here's what's going on in this parable. We have these people who left. That's the first thing he dresses. Those are the ones who hear it, but they don't want anything to do with it. They think they got it. They're going home and talking about it, but they missed it. You, the wise, you're the ones who stayed back. My followers, let me explain the parable. And what Jesus is going to do is he's going to point out four realities in the kingdom of God that are with us today. We're with him back there and will be with us as we go out and proclaim the gospels. We're going to look at these four realities in a creative way, all right? I've narrowed them down into four, right, four different types of people, okay? Now, let me say this one thing about this as we go forward. These are true, and I'm gonna, I'll show you how I'm going to break it down, but these are true in Jesus's day, right? So as Jesus is giving this parable, He's essentially giving them an update on what's just happening in his life. As he proclaims his new kingdom, this is the way that the word of God, the gospel, the good news that is to come, this new kingdom, this is how it's going, essentially. Here's what's happening. Here's how it's falling on people. But I think it's also true that as we go out and proclaim the gospel and proclaim the good news of Jesus, here's how the message, the word of God, will fall on certain people that we talk to. But even more so, 
I think, as the gospel is continually made new in us, and we are continually asked to respond to the word of God, these things are true of even us, the followers of Jesus. These things are even true of us this morning. So that's how we're going to break down. What's going on in Jesus' day? For us, as we spread this out into the world, what can we expect? But also for us here this morning. All right? And there are four realities. Are you tracking with me? You ready? It's going to get weird. The first one. <clears throat> the hard people. <laughs> this is me. The hard people. I've broken this down so you have visuals. Okay? This is the hard person. They, they, for, for, to me, they look like this, like this, and they always have clenched teeth for some reason. They talk through their teeth like this. You know, Jesus would give his words. He's like, I don't know about that, right? He would say, look, this is the new kingdom brought here for you. And this, in Jesus' day, could have been the Pharisees or those religious leaders who had their, their minds made up. I already know about all this, Jesus. Look at the new kingdom is here. Jesus, like we saw in the weeks past this, is, is breaking Sabbath rules that the rabbis had. He's doing all these amazing things. And Jesus says, the kingdom is here now. Well, I'm doing these things in love. And they say, we have rules about that, Jesus. And they're hard. They're closed off. Nothing. Jesus explains it like this in the parable. The seed falls on hard ground by the road, which would be hard. And the birds come and eat it up. They eat it up because the seed has nowhere to go. It's closed. And as we spread the gospel out to the world, it is true, it is a reality that there are people that are just closed. That are closed. You bring up God. I'd like to talk to you about God. I don't want to talk about God. I'm closed. It no more. I have it figured out. I'm done. Even more interesting, maybe, is for us, This can be true of us, family. It's true. It can be true of us that we sometimes are closed. We are hard. And when new information, the gospel tries to spring new roots in us, we are closed. Let me give you one example of how I see this happening. This happens intergenerationally, right? We want to be a church that connects the generations, right? Young and old come together in a utopia of Christianity. Yes? Yes, right? This happens, though. I work with teenagers. I, I, I say, hey, you know, I know you've saved all of your homework to the night before it's due, and um, you're failing some classes, and you've decided to go out partying all weekend. Um, I'd like to give you some advice. And I get this face. No! Well, I don't want to know anything else. Well, God has something more for you. <clears throat> and they're closed. Sometimes as the older generation wants to pour into the newer generation, we get a closed feeling. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I know everything. <laughs> Why do young people think they know everything? <clears throat> I thought that I know everything. I knew everything back then. Now I know that I don't know everything, which means that I didn't know everything, right? But we think young people sometimes they know everything. But sometimes in the older generations, the younger generations say, hey, we have a new idea. And we say, no. That's not how you're supposed to do it. We're closed. No, I don't like that. No, this is the way it's done. And we're closed off to each other. Because it's true. It's a reality in the kingdom of God that the gospel will fall and we will be hard. Don't be like that. We must be soft. Jesus gives us another reality. It's this. 
that there are shallow people. This is my idea of what it means to be shallow. What do you think? Pretty good? Here's why, here's why I chose this fit. Because this is to me a shallow person. Like, yeah, sure, why not? Sure, sure, totally, why not? I mean, it makes sense. Let me give you an, an explanation of how this would happen in Jesus' day. In Jesus' day, the world was incredibly religious. People worshipped many gods. They were not an atheistic culture like us. They worshipped many gods. Sometimes all it would take is for someone to come up and say, the Messiah is here, a new way, a new God to worship. Appease this God, and you will be in the kingdom. And you would get this. Yeah, sure, why not? Sounds great. I'm in. What do I have to do? And it would, it would be people would just adopt these ways of thinking. They would just say, sure, I'll take it in. Why not? And for us, and when we look back, we see that the shallowness exists in that as they kind of took it in, and they were on the crowd, they were part of the crowd on the beach, as they left, and they were like, yeah, I'll take it in, sure, why not? Jesus gives them this riddle, but then they just leave. And as they leave, they're thinking, oh, I know what that meant, I know what that meant. And then all of a sudden, to follow Jesus gets more intense. Love your enemies. Lay your life down for your friends. Jesus is crucified. All of the people maybe who were following, who were like, yeah, that sounds good, or more like, maybe I'm rethinking everything, you know? I liked it when we were on that beach in the Galilee. Sounded cool. It was a big following. People were being healed. Now it's gotten a little bit too intense. Jesus explains this in the parable, and he says that the, 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 this is the seed that falls upon the rocky ground, and it has nowhere to go because the ground is shallow. It's shallow. It needs deep roots to grab hold, but it doesn't. So it just springs right up. But there's nothing below the surface. As we go out and we want to spread the good news, spread the gospel, this oftentimes happens. And when we look out in the crowd, we say, we want to proclaim the good news to you, to our family members, to our friends. People say, yeah, sure, Jesus, why not? I mean, this sounds cool, awesome. I have a lot of students like this. I know a lot of people like this. They're like, they're like Jesus, thumbs up. we're in, totally, right? I'm in. But then you say, okay, so to follow Jesus, we have to love one another. Oh, yeah, I love everyone. I'm in, totally. All right, to, to follow Jesus, uh, we must dedicate our lives to serving everyone around us. Okay, that sounds all right. And that means we lay our life down for our friends. That also means that we live a sexually moral life. That also means that we live a life dedicated to serving those around us and dedicated service to the Word of God. And we live a moral, outstanding life. Oh, I don't know about that last one, right? I don't know if I'm really willing to go all the way in. Jesus is a cool guy, but then when it begins to transform your life and have a bunch of opinions about how you should live so that you may live a holy life set apart, it's like, I don't know. I was in in the beginning, but I don't know if I'm in now. Does that make sense? And for what I think about for us, this is how I see it play out. Certainly in students and in young people, but for all of us. We come to church on Sunday and we're like, yes, I'm in. Jesus, all the way. Because he lives. You know, we reign and we sing all these songs about Jesus. We love Jesus. We're shaking people's hands around us. And then Monday, we're like, yeah, I'm still in it. And then on Tuesday, we get a little bit further in and we think, oh, it's, 
it's getting harder to be a Christian. And then more, more and more circumstances come up in our life and we're like, I really, I'm just, it's gone. Sunday's gone. And then you have a situation present, to, you know, a situation present itself to you and you think, what, what is this Sunday? I can't be responding like this. I, I'm a Christian there, but not on, on the rest of the days of the week. I'm going to turn back into my ways of anger. Turn back into my ways of manipulation and control. And we forget about the things that we held so dear at one point of the week, and we let them go throughout the rest of the week. So I think for us, we don't want to be shallow followers of Jesus. We want to be ones who have deep roots that say, regardless of the situations in my life, regardless of what happens to me, I hold strongly onto the Word of God in my life. There's another one, the second to last one. It's this, the crowded people. The crowded people is, looks like this to me. Right? It's like, oh, I got a lot to do right now. And for us, like, I've got so much going on. Jesus explains this like this. These are the seeds that fall into the thorny soil. They're all crowded. And as the the flowers or the, the crops begin to grow up, they're choked out by all the other stuff that's already there. And this, in Jesus's day, would be those who can't fully commit to Jesus because of the circumstances which they find themselves in. Oftentimes Jewish, Jewish rulers and leaders. Ones who said, if I were to commit to Jesus, that means I have to then address all these other prior commitments. I mean, just look at the rich young ruler, right? Jesus says, if you want to follow me, sell all of your possessions and come and follow me. He's like, I don't know if I can do that. My heart is not in a place that wants to get rid of all these other things that are in my life. Furthermore, there's all these other people who have all these other commitments to Rome, to the Jewish leadership, to all these other things they have in their life, to follow Jesus, to be committed to him and his way of life is a commitment that requires a big sacrifice. And they say, I just can't do it. I got a lot. I just can't do it. And for us, as we go out and we begin to spread the good news, Give out the word of God to people. We have people who say, yeah, it sounds cool, but man, I'm really busy on Sunday mornings. I got just, that's my packed hour. I wake up and just boom, 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 boom. And you're like, yeah, I don't know about that. But, you know, there's people who are like, I just, I can't fit it in. It doesn't fit in with the, the commitments that I have about how I want to live my life. It doesn't fit in with even my schedule and what I want to do with my life. And they're just like, I'm too busy. I'm crowded. But even for us, this might be the most difficult one for us to process. Because as Jesus says, the word of God has fallen onto you. Let it grow in you. We're like, yes. And this is how you know if you're crowded or too busy or got too much going on. If you say, okay, yeah, but you got to understand. I I always say that in my life, right? If, If you're saying that, you know you might be the crowded person. Okay, yeah, but you got to understand, I got a really big thing coming up in the next couple weeks. I can't be committing. Matt Jones stands up here and says, neighbor good is coming up this next weekend. You gotta be there. Who of you can cut hair and all this stuff? And you're like, okay, yeah, but you gotta understand that, you, do you see what I'm saying? Things will always be there. There are always stuff in our life that can choke out the goodness of the gospel and the word of God in our lives. Don't be that way. How are we supposed to be? We are supposed to be the ready people. The ready people. And this is what Jesus says when he says, the seed has fallen into good soil. 
in the good soil, it is ready. And what does that mean? It means that it is soft. It is made way for deep roots. It has been removed from all of its distractions. And for us, in our lives, we must remove the sinful distractions out of our life. We must make way for deep roots in our lives. And we must soften our hearts. As you, as Calvary Church, as us, as we look to each other and we say, we want to be in this together. We want the word of God to fall on us, to fall on you and fall on me and fall on him and her. As we want to be out in the community doing these good things for people. But if we remain hard, if we remain shallow, and if we remain crowded, we will be what Jesus says, that it did not flourish. It did not come to fruition. The fruit did not come. But if we can hollow ourselves out by making way for the Spirit of God to transform us, making ourselves soft, deep, and clear, the Word of God can grow in us. Jesus gives this example, if you read down into, into verse 21, he says this, And he was saying to them, A lamp is not brought to be bought to be put under a basket or under a bed. Is it not brought to be put on a lampstand? For nothing is hidden except to be revealed. Nothing has anything, or nor has anything been secret, but that it would come to the light. Jesus gives us this encouragement. The light is coming to the world. The light is coming to us. We will be the light if we can make ourselves ready for the word of God. If we can make ourselves ready for the fruit to come in our life. And my challenge to us this morning is that the light is here. And the light is in us, Calvary Church. It's in Santa Ana. It's here, right here on Tustin Avenue. It's in you. It's when you go back to your house. It's when you go to your job. It's when you go to your clubs or school. It is in you. The light has been made in us. And if you take that light and you put it under a basket, you're wasting it. If you throw it under a bed, you're wasting it. Instead, let it shine in our world. Let the light shine in our world. The message of Jesus, gospel, salvation, commitment to him, let that shine in our life, but it won't shine in your life. This is the teaching of the parable. It won't shine in your life unless you've made, been soft, you've been softened, you've made way for deep roots, and you removed your sinful distractions from your life. So that's my challenge to you this morning, to do those things. We're going to respond and sing some songs. And as we do, I challenge you to think of these things. I challenge you also, in this time to come, we have stations where you can come forward and partake in communion with your brothers and sisters here this morning and say, we are one. We are one together. We will shine together and we will make way for the word of God in our lives. If you're in the band, you guys can come back up. Also, as we go into this time, we pray for the weems as there are a missionary couple, and they're highlighted in your bulletin, I, I encourage you to keep that and look at them and pray for them throughout this week. Let me pray for you. If you'd like, you also can come to these prayer points. We'll have people there as well. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. <clears throat> thank you that you have made a way in us, Lord. That you have made us with soft, deep, clear hearts, Lord. I pray that you do that for us this morning. That you make a way for us this morning. God, unite us 
Bond us together so that we may shine for you. Lord Jesus, we love you so much. We thank you for what the Weems are doing, Lord. We thank you for our missionary families. And we pray that you would be with them. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.